Welcome, welcome, hello and welcome. It still says going live, so I'm going to keep talking. There we are. Hello. Welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that are mountain challenged. Glad you could join us this Wednesday night. Um, we have an exciting, I think, live stream for you tonight. A cool giveaway that we'll get to in a moment. We'll give you our shipping report as well. Oh, I need to make sure. I'm gonna double check with Johnny to make sure I didn't miss anything, but I think our shipping report is clean. Okay, just sent Johnny a text. I think our report is clean, but I wanna double check, make sure I get the latest, latest news on that. Then I'm gonna go over some new stock that we've got in. We've got some neat things in. Some of them are, are just awesome. And we'll go over that and then we'll get to your questions and comments. So that's the docket on this evening's agenda. Now, I do need to bring up something. Next week, I won't be here. So I won't be live streaming next week. I'm gonna be in Los Angeles procuring a very special uh, group of fish to bring over to the fish warehouse some super exciting stuff some amazing rainbow fish really rare blue eyes uh, gobies that you maybe have never seen before some corydoras a lot of plecos and then i think i mentioned rainbow fish right i said that first and then lots of other stuff as well so um, i'm gonna have to be in los angeles to make sure that that all goes smoothly so i won't be able to live stream next week Looks like sound and video are good. Awesome, because uh, <laughs> yeah, with we're still adjusting to the sound and the lighting in here. It's all new, and as we make changes with the equipment, we get new sounds popping up all over the place, so I'm glad it's working out on your end. Hopefully, we have a lot of loud equipment in here, so hopefully we've set things up so that that's a, a minor distraction. One day we'll get to the point where we're able to kind of phase that out, I think. You can put up different filters and things to help help take care of background noise. So hopefully we'll get to that point. But for now, this is what we're doing. So let's get to the shipping report. Oh, I'm way too hot. I think my mic is too loud. I'm gonna turn it down just a bit because it was going full red there for a second. Oh, it just did it again. Okay, that's probably good. We'll, we'll keep it there unless I hear it differently. Um, here oh there it is so Johnny says the report is clean so that's good that means we had no losses in shipping since we last talked to you which is exactly what we want obviously we have not yet changed the uh, timers on these work lights these overhead lights we're we're getting to that random arms is actually doing that right now that was a, a reminder to get that done <laughs> so there's lots of things happening and lots of settling in to do but we are in the new facility the entire thing is on the creek water it's it's going well, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you more about that. But shipping report, no losses, which is great. Let's get then to the giveaway. I think this is a cool little giveaway. So our giveaway today is for Microdivario Kubatai, the neon green Kubatai Rasbora. It really is a bright green fish. The pictures are not lying. We have a nice little group we'll send you. I think it's something like six or eight of them. These are a small nano fish. They don't get large. They're peaceful. 
they can get out-competed by really boisterous fish. So they like peaceful kind of smaller tank mates. But they're easy to keep. They eat flake food, they eat live food, frozen food, big pellets, they'll nosh on those for a while. They'll eat uh, extreme nano pellets, say algae wafers, what have you. They're not a picky fish. So I think that they'll do, uh, do well for you. So if you would like to enter to win a group of them, it's super easy. We tried to make this dum-dum proof because I'm running the show, so it's gotta be dum-dum proof. Uh, hashtag green, hashtag G-R-E-E-N, no spaces, caps don't matter. We'll get you, enter that into the comments and you'll be entered to win a group of these nice neon green Kubatai Rasboras, also known as Microdevario Kubatai. Really cool little fishies. And I think they'll do well in, in most peaceful you know, community aquariums where they won't get out competed by really boisterous fish. All right, now that that's there, let's stay on this page and I wanna show you some cool fish that we have recently uh, put on the stock list. We have more to do. We have some neat tetras that came from the Congo. Some really, really pretty Congo tetras. Not the normal Congo tetras. Uh, what is that? Phenacogrammus, uh, is it interruptus? Not, not the normal one you see in shops, but uh, we have Brichardi and we have some other species. But they aren't listed quite yet. We're trying to get pictures and things. What we do have though, are some Congo spotted puffers. We have some more Tetraoda and Shodeni. It's a big, I don't know if they're adults, but yeah, they're looking adults. They're two and a half inches, maybe three inches. Smallest one, maybe two inches. So they're easily twice as big as is what I usually get. So they're big boys. What I usually get are aquarium bred and raised ones. Those have not been available for quite some time. I think their breeding season's over or something but I, I haven't ha been able to get any uh, aquarium bred ones for quite some time. So I brought in a group that were collected from the Congo. I got them from uh, someone who took really good care of them. They've been treated right, and they came in looking fat and sassy. No worries at all. We didn't have to do any, uh, there was nothing of concern that we had to take care of. We did our normal quarantine, so they've been dewormed and, and taken care of and they've been through our quarantine process, but they've been rock solid from the beginning. They look great. So if you're in the market for a Congo Spotted Puffer, these ones are probably gonna do well for you. They're the same price as the small ones too. They, we were able to get them at a decent price. The only difference is they are not aquarium bred and raised. So that's the only difference. Well, and they're bigger. But they're, they're eating just as well as the others and, and I think they're gonna do great. We got some more Siamese algae eaters in. Oh, look at this, this is a great comparison. People often get confused and don't get the right algae eater. This is a very closely related fish called the flying fox. But as you can see, it has black pigment in the dorsal and the ventral and the anal fins. Also, it has a, a pretty shiny gold line above it and the black stripe doesn't have kind of these fuzzy edges. It's a nice sharp, black stripe so you know just one way to tell that you're getting the right fish <laughs> so that was cool to see I like that picture that's very clear we have a hillstream trout I think these are baker eye I don't know for absolutely certain I'm going off the uh, suppliers word for that because I don't know enough about hillstream loaches to uh, 
to be able to differentiate them into small size. And these are not huge. They're, I want to say they're about an inch and a half, maybe two inches, so, somewhere in that range. So they're not big adults yet. They're smaller, but they're doing great. I don't think we've had any issues with them, so they should do well for you. A nice group of Glowlight Danios. We've been having issues trying to find good suppliers of Glowlight Danios. There's lots of suppliers of them. Everybody wants to sell you them. They're very popular fish in the industry. But we, we think we found someone whose stock appears to be really good. So we're, we're excited to have these for you. By the way, they look every bit as good as the pictures when they color up. And they don't need a fancy light, even just under like a shop light, a fluorescent shop light. They, they have really nice color. Pearl Garamis, this is my favorite of the more common Garamis. I like the chocolate Garamis, I like the samurai Garamis, the mouth brooding Garamis, right? But of the bubble nesting Garamis, the ones that you're likely to see around, the Pearl Garamis are my favorite. I also have another favorite that we got in. It's not listed yet, but it will be shortly, which is the Moonlight Garami. Just, there's something serene and beautiful about the Moonlight Garami. It's just a silver kind of moonlight fish. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles, but I just think there's something really elegant about Moonlights and Pearl Garamis. More Miyuki White rice fish for everyone that's been waiting. I think these are the ultimate summer tubbing fish. I think kind of the ultimate patio pond fish. The reason is they can take wide swings in temperatures, they're very hardy, and you can see them so easily from above. This is our picture right here. They're not out of stock, I don't know why it says that. And they have this bright neon white line across the top. And it really does glow. That's not an exaggeration, that picture. You can kind of see it from the side here as well that bright neon dorsal surface. Let's see if we can find another good shot. They're all taken from the side because us Americans, that's how we do it. <laughs> that's, that one shows kind of the neon stripe there as well. But anyway, in a pond, they, they glow from the top, which is what you want in a pond fish. And in the aquarium, they're stunning as well. They'll, they're one that you'll catch from across the room because they really do have a lot of bling to them. So that's... I, I think that might be my favorite of the uh, of the Madaka type Japanese rice fish. Some scarlet baddis doing great. Now scarlet baddis, I can never get to eat prepared foods, either live or frozen or a mix of both. A rotation of both is what works for me. So we feed them a lot of live baby brine shrimp, but they'll take other small live and or frozen foods as well. And the batch is looking fantastic. They're doing great. Another one we have, and this is not necessarily a new one, but it's one that I walked by the tank today and they were out displaying looking stunning, so I thought I would mention it. The Black Tiger Dario, or the Pajama Dario, or whatever you want to call it, but we call it the Black Tiger Dario. Another really pretty little Dario species, and our group is on fire right now. They look, they look so good. I, man, if I wasn't just so busy building the warehouse and, and finalizing our, our move in here and things, I would take a video of them like today. I would have dropped everything and taken a video. They looked that good. But I, I mean, we got too much going on, so couldn't do it today. Some uh, reticulated hill stream loaches, Soelia lineolata. And these are big. The ones we have are two to three inches. Like they're, they're big, big, big for hill stream loaches. They look great. 
Oh, they're only eating on frozen foods right now. They really like frozen blood worms. We have not yet transitioned our group to pellets or wafers. We're working on that. But they're eating well and they're healthy on frozen foods right now. But that's, that's something to keep in mind. If you got ours right now, you'd want to have frozen foods or you know sinking live foods for them. It'll be a little while before we can transition them to something else. Blue Kerry Tetris. I, I get these just because they're one that I like. I think they look, they always look good. So this is one I bring in just because I like to look at them. They aren't like a super rare fish. They're not super expensive or anything, but they're one of my favorites. Albino Kerbenzis, and it's a good solid batch. I think these Kerbenzis will do really well for you. Just as hardy and prolific and interesting as the regular Kerbenzis with that bright, bright coloration of the albino strain. Yellowtail Congo Tetras. This is one that sells fast, and I'm, I'm not saying that to try to shill, but it seems like the last few groups we've had, they've sold quickly. People that have, <laughs> some people have gone back and forth asking questions and about them, and while they've been asking the questions, they've, they've sold out, they sell out really quickly. I'm not saying, by the way, I want to be clear, I don't want to create FOMO. I hate that. I'm not saying buy them now or they'll be gone. That is not what I'm saying. If you are not sure about them, please take the time to do your research. Please email us, hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com um, if, if you have questions and things. I don't think you should rush in and buy fish. I don't think that's responsible. All I'm saying is if this is one on your bucket list, I know there's a few customers out there that have wanted these in the last few times they've they sold out from under them. So if you're one of those people, I just let you know that's been the history of selling these guys. They go quickly. But yeah, I'm not I'm not urging you to buy them now or they'll be gone or sale ends Thursday or anything like that. I, I want you to be responsible, take your time, make sure you can give them a good home before you purchase them. Sometimes that might mean you miss out, but um, that's probably better than getting something you're unprepared for because odds are you'll be able to get it again, you know, in a, in a few more weeks. Um, we just listed another batch of Celestial Pearl Danios. Just beautiful fish. Love these guys. And tomorrow Rick's bringing us up some more, so I'm happy about that. So we have Aspidorus spilotus. These guys breed like crazy for us. We have all kinds of them. <laughs> we have babies we're growing up. What they do is in the sponge filter, they swim down the tube of the sponge filter and lay their eggs in that strong, bubbly current. That's where they like to do it. So we have all kinds of those. And we were able to get some of the gold form of these. I see them listed here as red. Ours are more of a gold form, like this. So this is fairly new, the C125, um, which is an Aspidorus, not a Corydorus, very closely related in the gold form, and they also throw reds from what the uh, breeder told us. Now, the person we got this from is an authority on Corydorus and Aspidorus and things like that. Um, they go around and give toxic clubs. They're, they're well known in that community. They bred and raised these, and we got them directly from them, as well as these, the super red um, bristlenose pleco. And they don't just do catfish. They also bred and raised some Hongsloy, a pistogram of Hongsloy that we got from them. So these, I think, come from just about as, as good a breeder as you could get. This is someone who knows their stuff, 
is lectures about them frequently and is often uh, sought out for advice and things and is, I guess you could say, is more or less an authority um, on especially the catfish. We have some L92 plecos. I couldn't get a good picture of it, and I don't see a really good picture of it here. This is this is okay. They get some nice orange patterning on the tail, and since the tail is what you usually see on a pleco, that's good enough for me. <laughs> but it, it's kind of showing it there. Kind of shows it here. There's this orange, uh, it's almost tiger pattern, although it's more modeled, I would say, than a tiger pattern pattern um, but yeah neat neat little fish and it looks like that's it okay so those are the new things that we have listed as of recently we will be bringing more well we have more in stock right now I'm shutting down all these tabs uh, just because I don't want to overwhelm my processor and slow down the stream so just a moment here there we go tabs are done we're back to the normal screen okay we should be good um, so we have a lot of that is the first offerings of a group of about a hundred or so species that we brought in a, a couple weeks ago they will be ready to ship out next week they'll be over their two mark two week mark and ready to go so However, it takes a long time to get the new fish listed in things. So keep an eye on the website. There's lots of other stuff that we'll be listing as we can get pictures and, and get them up there. We might list some stuff before we even have pictures though, just because that can sometimes take a long time. So lots of stuff is gonna be hitting the website over the rest of this week and then over the next few weeks. So we've been bringing a, a lot of neat fish in stock. Um, we drove down to Denver Sunday night, picked up uh, our largest shipment ever so far. It was 37 boxes, I think, which is a ton of big wholesale boxes, and brought those back. Those are all in the tanks now. They've been here since, uh, when did we actually get in? Monday evening, we went down, rode down Sunday night. Okay, so it was quite the thing. So let me tell you about this adventure. So we, we have couriers that normally help us get our animals from the Denver airport because it's a drive we don't want to make. However, they've been having trouble lately. Um, they're, they're down in staff. Uh, they have people out with COVID. It seems like these days no one wants to work. So they're, they're having trouble keeping their, having enough drivers to do all the runs. So the last few weeks it's been, the last few imports, I mean, it's been a little iffy like yeah we're gonna we're gonna get this done but you never knew till the last minute if for sure it would get done and things like that so it was kind of a bad situation you don't want your fish to arrive at the Denver airport and then not be able to get a ride here right and just sit there or something that's that's not good so it looked like the other problem is is we're bringing in larger and larger imports people can't fit them in normal vehicles anymore it used to be that you know there was a guy with a minivan that would get them and bring them up for us. Well, now they won't fit in a minivan. Now we need a big old cargo van, and there's not as many of those out there. So it became apparent on a Friday that this probably wasn't going to work out, that we probably would not be able to find a driver to bring the fish up from Denver. 
So Friday we started car shopping. Saturday we bought a car and we bought a big cargo van, a big 15-seater Ford F, what is it, the E3500, uh, big 15-seater. We tore all the seats out, <laughs> got it ready for the trip. And uh, uh, at 3 a.m. Sunday, we got in it and drove down to Denver, picked up the fish that morning, drove back. And we're back Monday afternoon, got the fish all loaded and everything into the tanks and took care of them. So that, it's been quite a weekend. It was like, well, I didn't plan on buying a van today, but I guess we're going to. So we got that. Now, now we shouldn't have any issues because we have our own cargo van. We can, we can get our own stuff and be have a little more control over that side of things. I do want to thank, though, the couriers that have helped us. It's, uh, they've been amazing. They've done a great job. And they're good people. We, we don't have a beef with them or anything. We're grateful for their help. It's just that it got to the point where they're losing drivers. They're losing employees. People are out with COVID. They're, they can't find enough drivers for, their, for the customers that, that use them every day, right? They have to keep those customers. We only use them, you know, every few weeks or something like that. So it, it just became uh, something we had to, to make a change on. But I wish we didn't have to do that. I wish they did have enough drivers. We'd keep doing business with them, but it didn't look like that was going to happen. So anyway, we bit the bullet, got our own cargo van, and now apparently we're in the uh, cargo transport business. So that's what we're doing. So anyway, those fish, that was a whole bunch of fish. You know, in two weeks, those will be listed, the ones that are doing well. So that's going on. And then next week, I'm flying down to Los Angeles. On, and on the uh, July 6th, we'll be getting... Again, the biggest order we've ever got in. This is, this is a massive order. I think there's 150 species in this order, and some of them are getting several hundred different fish in, of each kind in, so it's gonna be a really big order. So anyway, that's what's going on here, just a lot of driving, a lot of figuring out logistics of how to get fish to Wyoming healthy and happy, and it's, it's going pretty well. There's a lot of improvements we still wanna make and can make, but all in all, it's coming along and it looks like it's going to work out so that's what's been going on with us so keep your eye on the website over the next several weeks lots and lots of new fish are going to hit it let's give you a see i already mentioned this but for folks that are just joining us we will not have a live stream next week because i'll be out of town that's when i'm going to be in los angeles uh, taking care of the the next import I have to go down there to take care of that Let's give you a quick update though of what's going on in the warehouse here. So something that is going to be hard to see is all these boxes of polyfill. We took a bunch of those and stuffed this, uh, this micro bubble remover. You can't see most of it, it's blocked with polyfill, but we stuffed about 30 feet of that sucker with polyfill today to try to help with the micro bubbles and try to help clarify the water because the creek water has silt in it. And even though it's great for the fish and it's, you know, natural and everything, it doesn't look the best. Okay, and then we got this done. So over here, all these 75 gallon aquariums are up and running, which is fantastic. That's 100 feet of 75 gallon aquariums that go across the entire back row. And over here, there you go, orange cones. There you go. Almost all these tanks are, are full of fish now. 
these two are hello random arms <laughs> he can't hear us he's on the headphones and the the 75s are not some of the tanks over here are not oh I'm not sharing the camera the whole time sorry guys yeah I'm really really bad at my job so sorry anyway we, we stuffed the micro bubble remover full of filter floss we got the 75 gallons all set up. There's no fish in them yet. These, this section and this section are pretty much full. That's for you orange cones. <laughs> and uh, so basically to finish off, we have the 75s, this section here, which has a few fish in it, but, but barely any. And this section here of 40 gallon aquariums and all those across the back. And then, then we're folded up and ready to go. So we should be, I think, um, completely stocked up. I'll get back into town on July 7th with all those new fish. So yeah, we're, it's coming along. We're, we're, we're so close to being done this uh, kind of, I don't know, it's like an endurance test moving in here, getting everything set up, driving all around the country to pick up fish and take care of the imports. But the endurance test, that part of it anyway, is almost done. So we're almost in here operating at full capacity and we're very excited about that. But then there's a lot of cleanup. So, I mean, it totally looks like it looks when you move into a new house. Boxes everywhere, stuff that you aren't gonna deal with that moment, just put in a pile somewhere for later. Like that's, that's where we're at. It's like we just moved into a new house and we haven't found a place for everything or got everything in its place yet. So there's gonna be a lot of that. Our, our desks aren't in the right spot yet. There's lots of, lots of little tweaks to do, but the priority is getting the aquarium systems up and running and stocked. And then we'll go from there. So over the next few weeks, we'll get this all settled in and cleaned up. But whew, I think it's safe to say we're all tired but we're all happy. There's been a lot of progress. So that's the warehouse. Um, that's what's going on in our neck of the woods. Let's find out what's going on with you guys. We'll get to your questions and comments now. So if you have one, leave them in the chat. If you type at Dan's Fish and then select Dan's Fish from the pop-up menu, then it will create this big orange box like this one right here. And we'll see it and we'll be more likely to get to it if you do that. I want to thank my moderators for being here and doing what they do every week, making sure the stream runs smoothly. Thanks, folks. Appreciate you doing that. Let's get to the chats, shall we? I got to shout out Alexander Engelhart first. So thank you so much for the super chat, Alexander. I very much appreciate you and the super chats. Always appreciated, never required, but they do help a ton. So thank you. I also, I think I saw a super chat from Kelly Foreman earlier. Kelly, I was in the middle of... I, what was I doing? Oh, there it is. I can see it. Those Miyukis belong in my pond, says Kelly Foreman. Kelly Foreman, you are a sage and wise woman. I agree. <laughs> Good to hear from you. Thank you so much for the super chat. Always very, very much appreciated. Okay, I'm going to scroll up now and see when I can get to the next chat. Oh, Johnny, Johnny says the Congo fish are listed. Okay, let's take a quick field trip here. And go to Dan's Fish and show you they should be here then. Oh, we probably don't have pictures yet. Okay, 
We don't have pitchers yet, so they're down at the bottom. But we have some Brichardis. We have some Mooncaps. And this one I really, really like. Arantiakis, I think is how you say that. I used I had it earlier. <laughs> Finacogrammus Arantiakis. So we don't have pitchers right now. Uh, we will have to, well, it's probably worth, and I don't want to take the time to, to do all that right now, but if you Google those, you'll see how awesome they are. They are very, very pretty fish and pretty hard to come by too. All right, thanks Johnny for letting me know that. I didn't realize they were listed, but it's just because anything that doesn't have a picture yet on our website sinks to the bottom. So when I looked at the most recent, it wasn't there, it was at the bottom. Fishaholic, 40 gallon with 10 adult tiger barbs and one albino shark. Had nine salt and pepper quarries, but vanished. Don't know if the barbs or the shark killed them. One at a time, thoughts, any bottom dweller suggestions? Well, those are definitely all fish that could kill salt and pepper corridors, but quarries are tough. They're armored like tanks. So I think you would have started to see nip fins and nip bristles and things like that. So I don't know for sure what would have happened there. But tiger barbs and uh, albino sharks could definitely harass quarries to the point that they died. That's, that wouldn't be a challenge for them. Now, I'm not saying that they did. I've seen tiger barbs and quarries together at times, but I think it's a, an uphill battle to get that working properly. Any suggestions? I don't think you need a bottom dweller in that tank. You already have those tiger barbs. They're gonna go across the tank. They'll pick at the substrate. They'll basically pick the substrate as clean as almost any bottom dweller. And the albino shark, I don't, I don't think we're talking about like a prune shark or something, right? We're talking about like a rainbow shark, albino rainbow shark or something like that. Let's see. Final red tail shark. Yeah, I, I imagine we're talking about one of these. If we are indeed talking about the albino rainbow shark, worst name for a cyprinid fish ever, but there you have it, um, then those will be bottom dwelling fish as well. So I, I honestly don't think you need anything on the bottom. And, and the fish that you have are pretty boisterous and aggressive. So Maybe something like a large adult bristlenose pleco or something really armored with a lot of spikes on it like that might, might do okay. However, there's a problem, which is that both the albino shark, uh, the um, tiger barbs and the albino sharks will eat at night. Uh, they have feelers on their mouths and they'll go around and eat at night. So often you can keep bristlenose and other nocturnal fish, bottom dwellers, if you will, with fish that are fairly aggressive eaters because you can go in after the lights go off and feed the plecos or whatever and they'll be able to eat at night when the other fish are not feeding. But tiger barbs and albino sharks will eat at night as well. So that's kind of a tall order there, Fishaholic. Trying to think of something that uh, can be on the bottom and dwell with such aggressive feeders and nippers as you have there. So I'm not really sure. Marvin's Loach Gardens. When we are trying to get your attention, no space, right? And also, do we need an apostrophe? So, um, yeah, you're right. 
So see how it showed up? No apostrophe. At Dan's fish, no spaces showed up, and so did at Dan's space fish. They both showed up. So I can see both of them. Anything that turned bright orange there in your comment, I can see bright orange. So either of those works fine, it appears. VO209 Aquatics. When are you guys getting more L471s or 333s? July 6th. That's when they should arrive. Now that being said, it'll be two to three more weeks after that before we start listing those. So we, we always quarantine everything and on Plecos, sometimes we do a little extra. So we'll have to see how they come in and things, but we do have some on order. I don't know for sure if they'll show up. In, in this business, you order what you order and then you get what you get. It's, it's really, hang on, let me adjust the focus there a little bit. It's, it's really a weird business like that. Most industries, you order something and you get what you order, right? That's what you would expect. In this industry, you order and then you hope it shows up. So I'm hoping it'll show up. Uh, the breeder I use for those is really good and generally has a high fill rate. So I'm pretty confident that they'll show up. Irie777, is your LA trip business only or will you have time to socialize? By the way, mini snowballs are doing well. Also, my sole orange Venezuelan quarries, I'm fairly positive I figured out my issue with them. I'm so glad to hear that it's been figured out, maybe. That's so good. I've been, Irie, I've been trying to figure that one out, and I'm stumped. But I'm glad to hear that the mini snowballs are doing well. Would you send us an email and let us know, Irie? I'm just really curious. And maybe we try it one more time? Like, if it's something that's been figured out, maybe we try it one last time. Um, the LA trip is going to be a whirlwind trip. I'm going to basically go down there. We're going to pick up the shipment from the airport. We're going to take care of it. And then I'm flying back with the fish to Denver and then driving the fish up from Denver in the cargo van. So basically we're going to take care of the fish and get them on the next flight possible so they're in the bags and the boxes the least amount of time so when i'm there you know dealing with perishables like live fish it's pretty whirlwind and with everything going on here i can't go down early because there's too much that we have to take care of here so this is a super fast business trip i do hope one day though to be able to meet a lot of you guys um i los angeles is my old stomping grounds i have a lot of friends there a lot of people that I like to see, a lot of old fish nerds that go to the different fish clubs that I'd, I'd love to go back to like a coast fish club or um, Southern California Killy Club fish club or you know any of those. I, I miss all those guys but uh, on this trip it's not going to be possible unfortunately. We're going to be, <laughs> I feel like we've been doing just grinding away for a long time but we're still in that mode. We're not to the point yet where we're able to jump out of that mode. It's, this is a lot of work. Now, luckily, it's work we love, so we're happy to do it. And I go to bed every day excited for the next day, and I wake up every day tired but excited. So, uh, you know, that, that's just what it is when you're launching something like this, especially in this super tricky phase of business. Uh, whenever you scale up or expand, it's... Uh, 
you, you better be all in all the time. There's, there's so much that could go sideways on you. So yeah, that's where we're at for a while. The, the one time where I will be socializing is the, the Triple Crown event in Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm going there and I have a couple goals. One, find more hobbyist breeders in the United States. I mean, there's rainbow fish there, there's live bears, there's cichlids, and there's killifish. I'd love to find some, some suppliers of all those things, some hobbyist breeders that can breed in some volume. That would be great. So that's number one, going to try to make some connections with some more breeders. Number two is I'm going to attend the lectures, and I'm going to just soak in information and try to learn more. There's, I've been so focused on business the last few years that it's not like I haven't put any effort in learning about fish. But I used to be able to spend a lot of my spare time reading about new fish, reading about how other people care for them, reading about their natural environments, all that stuff. And I keep so many different species now, and I'm so busy just with the business that I don't feel like I've adequately kept on, up on that for all the species we carry and want to carry. So I feel like my knowledge used to be fairly narrow but very deep especially in killifish and some other fish as well now I feel like my knowledge is very very widespread and quite shallow and so this is an opportunity for me to brush up learn from some experts and and kind of add a little bit more depth to my knowledge base so I don't know the brain's like a muscle and, and your knowledge about a fish is like a muscle if you don't if you don't keep up on it it goes away, you start confusing it with another fish or a similar fish, or wasn't that that one thing that did that? You know, that, that happens in your brain. Memory's <laughs> not accurate at all. <laughs> so it's time to brush up. So that's number two goal. And number three is to meet some folks and hang out and just have some fun with some people. So that's, that's what I hope to do there. Kelly Foreman, throwing down the fish mobile fund. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we did get the fishmobile. We call it Marv, and it's a, just a big cargo van. It's a bit of a beater, but we were looking for a deal, so we got a deal. It's, it's, uh, we got it at a very good price, and if we do 10 trips to Denver, it will have paid for itself. So we're, we're pretty happy with the deal we got. Now, it's not fancy. It's bare bones. There's no, there's no cruise control, which ain't great on a long trip. Uh, the old cassette player radio and the thing doesn't work, you know, all that. But the drivetrain's solid. So that's all we cared about. He ain't purdy, but he runs solid, and he can run a long time. <laughs> but thank you so much, Kelly Foreman. Very much appreciated. Never required, but it does make my wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen. So thank you for making my wife happy. <laughs> Orange Cones, hey Dan, when you have time to set up some more personal tanks, oh, when you have time to set up some more personal tanks, I know where you can get some fish. Yeah, that's right. If I'm looking to stock some tanks, I might, I might be able to grab some fish. Oh, something exciting happened today, which is we have been working with a hobbyist breeder of killifish, and we got the first shipment today, and they look fantastic. So I hope in a few more weeks to be able to get another good group of them. So it's just a couple species. We got some Aphanius mento, I forget the location, it started with a Z if I remember right. I'll look it up. And we got some, a script Apiosimian, which is really pretty. 
And we also got some guppies, and we also got some uh, pseudomoogills. But they all look great, and I'm looking forward to actually working with the killifish breeder and bringing in a, a good number of varieties and getting, getting those set up. So, Orange Cones, I don't know why your comment reminded me of that, but it did. And again, hello. My peacock gudgeon juveniles will only eat live and frozen. How do you transition them to pellets and flakes? Okay. Let me wet my whistle, and then I will answer that question. How do you transition fish to foods they're not used to? Cheers. Well, the way I like to do it does not involve making them go hungry. Uh, there's a lot of... The, the, the standard... I'm trying to make sure I'm in the middle of the screen, so it's not like, you know... The standard process for that, you know, you're just looking at my ear. That's no fun. <laughs> I move around a lot, so I have to kind of center myself. So when I go like this or like this, I stay there, right? Anyway, this kind of the one of the standard ways of doing that is just don't feed the fish until it eats the food you want to feed it. But that's not the way I prefer. I, I think that fish oftentimes, um, especially if they're new, if they've just been through import or newly arrived or whatever, need all the food they can get like they they need good nutrition they need to get their vitamins in they need to keep their immune system going so fish can go a long time without food but i feel like when they be, they've been through the stress of uh, a new home or whatever we don't want to do that and since i bring in new fish all the time i'm constantly dealing with new fish that are stressed that i want to transition to to different foods but i don't want to compromise their immune system or their recovery from the stress of, of import or shipment, right? So what I've found works best is this. The first couple days or so, I just feed them really well whatever they'll eat. If that's live food, I give them live food. If that's frozen, I'll give them frozen. Usually between live brine shrimp and frozen blood worms and live scuds and things like that, black worms if you've got them, um, you can find something the fish will really enjoy eating. So for the first couple days, just feed them that as they're kind of relaxing and settling in. Once the fish is kind of settled in and has started coming out more and exploring and not just, you know, dashing away frantically every time you pass by the tank or whatever, once they've kind of associated you with food, really, then you can transition them to prepared foods. And the way I like to do this is in the morning, I will feed them what I want them to eat, whether that's flakes or a, a pellet that I want them to, to graze on or whatever. I'll feed them that. I prefer, when I'm doing this, I prefer to do it with like large pellets, algae wafers, stuff like that, rapashi, something where I can come back in an hour and if they haven't eaten it, I can easily scoop it up out of the tank. It's a little harder with flakes or tiny pellets and things because those kind of go all over and if they don't eat them, it's hard to gather them up and get them out of the tank. I don't want food sitting in the tank decomposing basically. If I am feeding tiny pellets or flakes or something, I just do a few of them, just a little bit. We're just trying to get the fish used to the new food. We're not expecting them to eat it. So in the morning, I feed them the food I want them to eat. They probably won't eat it. So after an hour or two, I'll take it out and then I'll feed them whatever they eat well. The next day I'll do the same, the next day I'll do the same. And what I found is usually over a little bit of time, it might take a week, it might take two weeks, sometimes it takes a longer than that, but usually it only takes a week or so. 
the fish will start getting used to the food that you want them to eat and start eating it. Once they do that, then you can start rotating. Okay, I'll feed you the food I want you to eat, and then the next day I'll feed the food you like so much, and vice versa. And then once they're eating well, you've got them transitioned. Then you do the same thing when you introduce the next food. Usually after they've eaten a couple kinds of prepared foods, they start, it's easy to transition them to, to the rest of the prepared foods, right? They get less picky. They, there's something similar about them that they cue in on. So that's what I would say. Uh, feed what you want them to eat. Don't expect them to eat it. Take it out after a couple hours or so. Put in the food they will eat and repeat until they're used enough to the new food that you want them to eat that they'll go ahead and eat it. That's the way I like to do it uh, and akin because I don't like to starve my fish, especially when I'm trying to fatten them up for my customers and transition them after the stress of, of transport. Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down the one, the only, Pippi Long Stocking Cheerleader sticker. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you. And thanks for bringing a little, a little Pippi to my life. Pippi makes you peppy. Curl Kitty 08. Thank you. Thank you for the fox cat. Appreciate it. Thanks for the super chats, folks. I really appreciate them. New Mexico Aquatics, Little Bobbly. I said blobbly. <laughs> blobbly. Little Bobby. Let's do that. How many varieties of rice fish are available around the USA? Oh. So I would assume there's, I don't know, 50 or more would be my guess. However, the only ones that are commonly available are a few, a few species, or varieties, I should say. So of, of Madaka rice fish, uh, there's maybe six that show up somewhat regularly on the lists. Apart from that, you're talking about really specialized breeders and, and folks that maybe raise some of all those other species, the rest of the 50 of them or so, but we don't have access to them in general because they're not widely available. That's my, something like that. There's a lot of kinds of Madaka rice fish out there. There's many, many kinds. It's just we don't have most of them in numbers here, so we don't see most of them. Mountain Top Puffer Keeper, what are the Congo Spotted Puffers eating? Well, they really like frozen mysis shrimp. They really like frozen blood worms. And I believe they're also on uh, Viberbites and Massivore pellets, I think. If they aren't yet, they will be soon. So I think they are, though. Rich Lidstrom. Fish, I was literally going to email you this weekend to see if you ever got... Arc okay, let me see. i got to get the species name. Arantiakis. And then I saw some of them in your video today. I just need to get some RO going so I can get some. Awesome, Rich. Yeah, they're, they're nice. Gold with blue. I mean, just really, really pretty. Hey, look at that. It's kismet, Rich. It's kismet. And I hope you're doing really well, man. Alishin, any uh, telomagramma or heterochromis on your Congo list? A recent list that I had showed neither in stock. So, yes, uh, I believe that Teleogramma is that really rare cichlid with kind of the black and red banding on it, right? Let's let's see here. Let's take a field trip, folks. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. So these guys, these cichlids, really neat stuff. 
So yes, they're on the lists. It doesn't mean they're going to show up though when I order them. Um, so, so this was kind of a, a little test. I, I need to see. So here's the thing about the Congo fish. They're expensive. They, they cost a lot to bring in. And I don't want to fork out. I, I don't want to fill my tanks with a whole bunch of expensive inventory if it won't move because then I'll go out of business, right? So I just got a few to try them, to see if the market's there, to see if the market will bear the price that I need to sell them for, um, to, to take care of the fish the way I want to and still pay the expensive prices. So this is just a little, little test. And if it goes well, maybe I'll try a bigger test. And if that goes well, then maybe I'll do an entire import from the Congo. There's a lot of fish out there I really want, including those cichlids you're asking about. Uh, heterochromus, I don't remember if they're on the list or not, off the top of my head. Patricia, evening right back to you. Glad you're here. A-Train, I'm getting some fish shipped for the first time. Do I need to acclimate them any differently when they arrive? If there is a fish dealy in a bag with live fish, how would I acclimate them? Oh, that's a good question. If someone sends you multiple fish in a bag and one is dead, what do you do? Okay, so A-Train, the way I like to acclimate fish is get the temperature near what it is in my aquarium, then open the bag and get the fish out and put them in my aquarium, right? Net the fish out of the bag, basically and put them in the aquarium, then take the bag with the old dirty water and get rid of it. So, I temp the bag to see if it's close to my tanks. If the temperature in the bag is the same as the temperature in my tanks, or within a few degrees either way, I'll just go ahead and put them in right then. You don't have to have the temperature exact. In fact, there's times when fish are really struggling in a bag. Like, obviously there's ammonia poisoning happening or something like that. And I've had instances fairly regularly, not regularly, that means that makes it sound like it happens all the time, but it happens regularly enough that it doesn't, that I know what to do in this case, where a bag comes in at say 65, 68 degrees. The temperature in my tanks is 78 degrees. We're talking about, I don't know, a 10, 15 degree difference, something like that. But the fish in the bag are really struggling. What do I do? Do I get them to temperature and then get them out? Or do I get them out of that poison water immediately and give them uh, and put them in a, a brand, you know, a, a very different temperature? Which is better for the fish? Well, what I do is if they're struggling in the bag, I open it up and I get them out and put them right in the tank, even if the temperature is not the same. And I know that that's sacrilege, but I think it's better than keeping a fish in a bag with poison water. So that's what I do. And honestly, I don't think I've ever had a situation where I've put a fish from a bag into an aquarium and there was something like a 10 degree difference of temperature and had the fish go into temperature shock. I don't think I've ever seen that. Let's think about this for a second. You're a fish. You live in, I don't know, let's say a pond. Makes it easy. Let's say the pond is, uh, I don't know, 20 feet deep. 
let's say you're a little fish so you don't go way deep that's where the big fish are but let's say you live at like I don't know three four feet deep somewhere around there okay then let's say a big fish comes into view and you have to get away what do you do one thing you might do is swim way up into the shallow area okay when you did that you just experienced a big temperature difference the water at four feet down in a pond is much much cooler than the water up at the edge right so fish experience temperature changes all the time depending on if they're swimming up or down in the water column or if they're close to shore or further in from shore so i honestly don't feel like temperature swings are that detrimental to fish now within reason right you probably don't want to do like you know something crazy like a 40 degree temperature swing or something that that's nuts just as an example but 10 degrees never had a problem 15 degrees not had a problem so if you think about the fish and what it experiences i don't think temperature swings are going to be that big a deal for them let's say that you're a fish and you you live in a fairly stable let's say that the body of water was all the same temperature it's not but for the sake of argument let's say you live in a pond or a creek or whatever and and the whole water column is the same temperature you would think well that fish isn't going to like temperature swings at all well what happens when it rains and you get a flood and all that rainwater comes in and, and lands in the pond and you get a sudden temperature change right so there's there's all kinds of things in a fish's environment which cause temperature changes so i'm really not that worried about the temperature change so what i would do is if there was a dead fish in the bag um, and it was not a recent thing right the fish is all cloudy and gross and the water around it's all gross and stuff i just get the fish out of the bag as quick as i could and put them in the tank if it's freshly deceased and the eyes are still clear and it hasn't started decomposing yet then it's probably not as big a deal it's probably not you know poisoning the entire bag so those are the kinds of things a train that i would think about obviously because i did <laughs> Some dude likes rare pseudomoo gills. Awesome. I'm with you, some dude. Man, I wish I could get Mellis. Well, I can get Mellis, but I can't afford to. <laughs> the exporter, it, does, it wouldn't work out. I tried. Orange cones. You having a yard sale for the removed van seats? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> you don't want these van seats. They, they're going in the dumpster. Yeah, they're not worth holding on to. Like I said, Marv's solid, but he ain't purdy, and neither were his seats. Patricia Clopel, in all how many tanks up and running, now everything is looking great. Oh, okay. In all, how many tanks up and running now? Everything is looking great behind you. Uh, Patricia, we have 468 aquariums up and running at this time, if I remember correctly. 468 should be the number. Oh, there's a few less because I think there's four more aquariums or something that had manufactured defects, they weren't sealed correctly, and they don't hold water. So there's a few that I still need to reseal and get back in, in service. Oh, so Johnny Close, Johnny says all 508 tanks have water in them now. So that's close. 508 is the number of fish we or aquariums we will have if 
and when, depending on what we decide, when we put this row in place. So see these shipping boxes right here? Um, up there, see that strip of electrical? That's the same as the strip of electrical over this row and that row and the other rows. Oh, I'm not sharing this again. Jeez, I'm so good at this job, guys. So anyway, this, this right here, this strip of electrical right there, we could put another row of aquariums right there. That would be 60 more aquariums. That would bring us to 508 aquariums. But we aren't doing that yet because we want some flex space because we don't know what we'll run into in the future. Maybe we want to put something else there. Maybe we need more workspace, so there we go. Um, so without those tanks, there are 468 aquariums in the building. So we'll have 508 if and when we put that row in. Um, so we have 468 now, except for the, the few that were defective that we need to uh, reseal, unfortunately. And I hate resealing aquariums. It takes forever. And... Uh, it's seriously going to take me a day and a half to reseal those tanks, and I just don't have a day and a half right now to do it. So at one point I will, but not today. <laughs> Marvin's Lodge Gardens. Hey, Marvin, I, I got your email. I tried to reply, and it bounced back. Um, I don't know if it eventually went through or not, but thank you again for sharing your expertise on the, uh, the water systems. We really appreciate it. Mitchell Broom, you're not switching cameras. I know. I For some reason, I, I can't remember to switch cameras today. Not sure why. Okay, let's get this centered. Oh, hang on. I did something again. That's what we wanted to do. And that. Okay. Flip here. Flip back. Okay, now we're in our normal setup. <laughs> yep, thanks, Mitchell. I'm... In my defense, I'm very, very tired. <laughs> it's the end of a long day during several long weeks. Happy though, I'm not complaining, but I'm really tired. So I have camera brain and exhausted brain. Oh, and that was the first time I forgot to switch. <laughs> I'm that far back, I better catch up. Thanks again, Alexander, for the super chat. I just saw it as I was scrolling. Okay, hang on, let's go here. Chat just jumped, so I'm gonna scroll up here. Next one I can see is Adam Lash. I received the email that my half beak shipped out today. Super excited. Anything, should I, anything I should be on the lookout for regarding their health and transition. The main thing, Adam, is have some floating cover in there. I like floating water sprite, but you could use frog bit. You can use Easter grass. Like, I, every Easter, I wait till Easter's over and then the next day, when it's on sale, I go and I buy a bunch of Easter grass, that plastic grass. It floats really well and in a pinch, you can just throw some of that in there. But some kind of floating cover, In a, if you have like a three foot tank, let's say it's a 40 gallon breeder, I would put it in one foot of that, right? Like a third of the tank, just nice floating cover. They like a lot of cover. That's the main thing I would suggest. They can jump, so be careful of that. As far as keeping them in things and their health and the transition, I think they're gonna be pretty solid. Half beaks are only delicate after they're first imported until they stabilize. In my experience, once they stabilize, they're a rock solid fish, so I think they'll do well for you. 
I would just uh, do the temp and tank method or plop and drop. I wouldn't worry about drip acclimation or anything like that. I just let them out and make sure they have floating cover. And the main thing I think that stresses them out is they don't like high rapid flow. They come from pretty still water. They don't want to fight a current. You can have a little filter in there, right? But you don't want to have a strong current from it. And the other thing is that, oh wait, what was the other thing? Oh, they can get out competed. They're not the fastest at the food. So don't put them with real boisterous tank mates. But Adam, I think they're gonna, in general, they're pretty hardy fish. Legion Aquatics. Would this work in a 75 gallon and how many would you do? Neolamperlogus lalupi, Neolamperlogus uh, catapunctatus, Julitochromus, and Parasiprochromus nigropinus blue neon. The blue neons are the ones I'm a little worried about. I think the Lulupi and the Neolamprologus and the Julitochromus would probably be fine if you had a lot of rock work in there. Now cichlids are cichlids, sometimes things go sideways and it depends on the amount of rock work. But let's just say that it's a 75 gallon, so front to back you have 18 inches. Let's say that the, the back nine inches of the tank the whole thing from top to bottom, across the whole back of the tank and, and halfway into the into the front to back. So nine inches coming up, nine inches from the back, um, or forward nine inches from the back is all rock work and stuff. Those guys would probably get along just fine. The Parasiprochromus nigropinus, one of my favorites by the way, love that Tanganyikan fish, would probably be okay because they stick to the mid water but I'd have a plan B available just in case those other ones picked on them. So that's my thoughts, Legion Aquatics. I've never tried that combination, but that's the one thing I would be most worried about. So yeah. Um, and by the way, I've kept uh, Tanganyika cichlids in the past. I used to work at a big cichlid warehouse and things, but I'm not a true expert on, on, on Rift Lake cichlids by any means. So. I would, you know, check with some other people too and get some other opinions. That's not my ballywick. Brian Maramba from Central AAK. I made my move from Montana with my fish. It wasn't easy, but we made it. I'm glad to hear it, Brian. What a relief, right? <laughs> That's a long one. Glad they did okay. Some dude. Are 100 gallon stock tanks too big to stock one trio of each of these rainbow fish? Siloensis, Kalitawa, uh, Radinocentris ornata, Ceres Creek. I heard too much space will allow females to hide. I think you want the females to be able to hide. So here's what happens in nature. The females have all the room in the all the room to hide that they could ever want, right? So what happens in nature is if you look at there's some great videos of the natural habitat of different rainbow fish. There's some of Bozmane. What happens in that case, and it's gonna be very similar to these ones, is they're on the edge of the lake, there's all these plants. 
and the males stake out territories along those plants because they, they breed in the plants, right? So you'll have a male, and then a few feet down you'll have another male, and a few feet down you'll have another male. The females can swim all around the whole area. So they swim around, and the males display and are like, pick me, pick me, and she doesn't. She goes to the next one. He's like, pick me, pick me, right? And she goes down, and they're all shaking and displaying, trying to get her attention. And if she likes one, she goes and hooks up with them, right? And when she doesn't want to, you know, breed, she can get away. So I don't think there's anything wrong with like 100-gallon stock tanks for trios. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, is it going to make it hard to pick eggs? Probably, but I don't know if you're trying to pick eggs. But as far as keeping rainbow fish healthy and happy, I think uh, one of my favorite tanks I ever had was a 100-gallon tank. It had four um, Kamaka rainbows in it. Three were males, one was a female. This is a six-foot long tank. What happened was a male picked one side of the tank, a different male picked the other side of the tank, and then a the third male picked the middle to the side to the front I think it was and the female would just swim around between them and whenever she got kind of towards one side or the other they would display really bright and flash really bright right and try to attract her those males were always fired up and that female had plenty of room to get away and and not get harassed that was my favorite so I, I thought that worked out really well now, are you going to get as many eggs and as many fries if you separated them and then put the pair or the trio together in like a 20-gallon tank that was bare with just a mop in it? No, probably not. But I think for like long-term keeping, that sounds amazing to me. Bow Wow. Do you do pickup orders? I live a few hours away. Yes, absolutely. If you place the order and you want to do pickup, then... Um, let us know and we can do that. It's not a problem. There's a code for local pickup that, that Johnny can give you. And uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll want to schedule it and things so we know when you're coming so we can have it ready. That's not a problem at all. Lisa Matthews, I received my orange flash epistogram pair and they are amazing and doing very well. They acclimated quickly and are beautiful. Thank you, Lisa, you're welcome. And, uh, and also thank Thank Rick. <laughs> Rick, they're awesome because Rick bred them and did a good job with them. So Rick has amazing fish. But I'm glad that they're doing well for you. Rick's fish do well for almost everyone. Rachel Irwin, what are some other neat species of green fish that would do well with Kubatai Rasboris? Okay, we're going for like the ultimate green tank. that could go with Kubatai Rasboras. It's a little rough because uh, there's not that many green fish and they would have to be peaceful and small, but uh, you could go with like Poropanchax luxothalmus maybe. Uh, let's take a field trip, I'll show you this fish. Am I actually switching screens this time? I am, look, I'm so good. <laughs> This is the neon green lamp-eye killifish. And when they're under the right light, they actually do look like this green. Oh, look, that's our picture. <laughs> they, they get a lot of green coloration on them. However, they're highly variable and it depends on the light and it depends on lots of things. This one's pretty good. You can see it's still got the green here. It's not showing up as well, but it's there. 
So that might be one that's small and peaceful, would take more the top area of the tank while the um, uh, Kubatize would take kind of the bottom middle area of the tank. So that's the one that pops to mind, but there aren't that many green fish available. There's some script aphiosimian species. Uh, let's see if we can show you some of those. Hang on. I got a big smudge on my glasses. Got to fix that. Let's see if I can clean it off or if I'm just going to smear it around. Oh, a little bit of both. <laughs> so let's see if, if there's a script aphiosimian that we can find, but that's probably not one you're going to be able to source easily. But there's some of these that I remember being kind of a green color. This guy, this guy. Probably small enough that they would not destroy a full-grown Kubatai Brasbora. But they do get you know, big enough and they have a big enough mouth you wouldn't want to put them with small ones for sure. Some green on there. But um, there's not that many green fish. And keep an eye on size, because you don't want it to become lunch. Okay, hang on. Chat's jumping on me, and I'm scrolling to find the top here. Okay. Freshwater dreaming. Leave the silicone. Use great stuff pond and stone to reseal. I never thought of that one. <laughs> hey, maybe. Because structurally they're okay. I never thought of that. I'm going to think about that. Crown Tail Halfman. What silicone do you use to reseal tanks and how often do you recommend reseal tanks if not in use? So I use a... Oh, I hesitate to say because I can't remember. I've got... A bunch of it around here somewhere, but I don't see it within grabbing distance. Is it GE1? Is that the one? It's just pure silicone, no mold inhibitor, no nothing like that. Is it GE1 or GE2? I can't remember. Honestly, Craft Crown Tail, I know what it looks like, and if I could just, yeah, I, I don't know where it is right now. Um, but the one that's just simple silicone with no inhibitors in it. And how often do you reseal if it's not in use? I don't. Like, it, I have very old tanks, and I don't reseal them unless there's a problem. So I wouldn't recommend, like, well, every 10 years do a reseal. I think if the tank is set up, and it's, it might be 20 years old, but if it's set up once and it never moved, it's probably good. If it moves lots of times and you are in an upper floor apartment and if it broke, you're going to flood the neighbors downstairs and it's going to be a big problem, then honestly, I just get a new tank. I wouldn't reseal. Uh, I, I'm not sure that resealing... There's a lot that can go wrong when you're resealing and I think there's a risk to doing that and thinking it'll be stronger than an old tank that doesn't have problems. Marvin's Loach Garden. I did get a response if you're referring to last week. I think from Johnny. There's another there for you today, though, for your silt issues. Yeah, so 
I, I, Johnny sent it to me, Marvin, and I responded. So it, it bounced, but then it looks like it finally did go through. So that's good. Awesome. And I'll, I'll check, uh, I'll check to see what the latest is after this. Josh S. Have you had luck finding any black pearl killies? Uh, been on my bucket list for a while. So I, I haven't. Um, Simpsonic these, uh, no, it used to be Sinolebius. What is it now? Is it Astrolebius? Yeah, Astrolebius. Astrolebius nigropenis, I think, is what you're talking about. So I would highly recommend joining the American Killifish Association if you're looking for killifish. There's all kinds of folks there that, that breed and raise them. So I don't have these. I'm not searching for them, though. Uh, annual killifish are something I like, and I'll get in, and I, I will sell them. But I think most fish, most aquarium keepers do better with non-annual species, just because of the life cycle and, and behaviors and things. Male annual killifish can be a little more uh, boisterous than non-annuals. Not in all cases, but they're pretty hard drivers of females and pretty competitive with each other. Not that they can't. I don't want to say that they're, they're not piranhas or anything like that, but, um, well, piranhas you can keep together too, but I just think that the non-annuals tend to be a little more mellow and easier and more long-lived and stuff like that. But I do have a fish that is very similar looking, although it's not the nigropinus. It's a Phaneus mento. It's another killifish. It's a non-annual, and it's these guys. They look very similar. Now, I'm not saying you should get these instead of those, but this is the one I have right now. I just got it today. If I see a good group of these available at a price that makes sense, I'll probably bring them in, but it's not something I would ex expect to find very often. The way that's probably gonna happen is if I do go to the Triple Crown and I do find a killifish breeder that's into South American annuals and has several, and they breed nigropinus, then I would get them. But it's not a fish I'm really comfortable importing from like a fish farm or something like that. Kaylee's Aquatics and Exotics throwing down another super chat. This is a new one. I haven't seen this guy before. Check this out. This is psychedelic there, Bob. <laughs> I feel like I need to uh, play some Pink Floyd while I look at that one. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bob, for the super chat. Really appreciate you. And we're at 816. I think that was Bob's way of reminding me we should do a giveaway. So let me wet my whistle and then we'll do the giveaway. Curl Kitty's asking if, if folks breed Tenopoma uh, bushfish. Yeah, lots of Tenopoma are bred. Yes, indeed. The ones I have are, are bread and aquariums. All right, so the giveaway. Tonight's giveaway is for a group of Microdivario Kubatai, the neon green Kubatai Rasbora. Great little peaceful nano fish. And the winner is US Scraper. US Scraper, you have won some Kubatai Rasboras. Congratulations. You have two minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here, and I'm sure you are because I thought I saw a random comment from you earlier. 
Um, I'm sure you are, but two minutes to chime in. If you don't chime in in two minutes, then the rules are we will pick somebody else. While we're waiting, let's get to this one. Josh S. Oh, asking about the uh, black pearl killifish. Ira Nelson, what makes a cichlid a cichlid? I thought I knew this once in a live stream a couple years ago. I said what I thought made a cichlid a cichlid and found out I was wrong. Is the answer the teeth? Is it distinguished by the teeth? I can't remember what the correct answer was anymore. So Ira, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I knew and then someone who knew more about it told me I was wrong and told me what it was and I have since forgotten. I think it's something to do with the teeth though. I don't remember for sure. Anyone know what makes a cichlid a cichlid? Sounds like a good, uh, that's a good Google search right there. Preston John, hey, good to see you. Hope you're doing well, Preston. Okay, chat jump, so just one moment here. I get to the next one. Woo! Chat jumped far. I'm getting there, folks. Okay, here it is. I see some dudes comment, but while we're waiting on, uh, I want to double check, I mean, to make sure we aren't making U.S. Scraper. Okay, U.S. Scraper is here and has responded. Congrats, U.S. Scraper. If you would send an email to hello at dancefish.com, H-E-L-L-O at dancefish.com, please give us your first name, your last name, and your mailing address, and we will set up shipping shenanigans with you. Some dude, thank you, Dan. I live in Florida and I plan to let the pond season with lots of microorganisms. Put the trio in for three weeks, then remove the adults. This has been working well for my uh, Gertrude. Yeah, that that sounds like it would work well. Sure. Yeah, I think you're going to get plenty of spawning going. Crowntail Half Moon. Can powder blue gourami males breed with dwarf gourami females? Yes, if they're the same species. So, um, there's... Let's show you this. Okay. So the dwarf garami, what is it, lalai, lalai? Is that the uh, trigonaster lalaius? Gonaster. Did I do that wrong? And I'll share my screen in a moment. Right now I'm just searching, sorry. Okay, I'm just gonna search Dwarf Garami, because I can't remember the scientific name. Oh, Trichogaster. There it is. Not Trigonaster, that's something else. Okay, so this is the Dwarf Garami. The problem is that's a common name, and it's really hard for me uh, to know exactly what we're talking about with common names because dwarf gourami could be a pygmy gourami which is also a sparkling gourami or it could be this fish but i think you're talking about this fish this species of fish has been bred into many many different color forms this is the wild right here and there's lots of others this one has more blue on it there's there's so many different color varieties of this fish that have been bred over the decades. So it'd be like different breeds of dogs. Let's say it's like, like labs. You have chocolate labs, yellow labs, black labs. 
they can all breed together. They're all the same species. They're all the same breed even, uh, just different color. So this is kind of like that. These are all the same species, just different colors, and they'll breed together just fine. Now what the offspring will look like, that I can't tell yet. So there's, there's kind of the blue that we're talking about. But they will definitely breed together just as easily as a yellow Labrador would breed with a black Labrador. Joseph Morshimer, good to see ya. Green neons with the Razaboras. Oh, for green fish, a green neon tetra. Yeah, I guess that could work. I guess, in, yeah, that's small and peaceful. Absolutely. Good, good one, guys. Thanks, thanks. Joseph and Gary's having the good suggestions today. <laughs> T-Shot, congrats. Keep it up. We will, and thank you. Paul Soltero, there's no if allowed. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure that made sense when it was posted, but it's been long enough. I'm not sure what we're referring to. Are you planning on getting more of the orange fish of Pistos, the orange flash, from the same breeder as before, asks T-Shot. From Rick, absolutely. Yeah, as soon as Rick has more, I'ma buy him. I, I love Rick's fish. I will buy whatever fish Rick breeds and raises, basically. Rick's kind of like the dean of this area. <laughs> US Scraper, thank you everyone, thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for being here, thanks for participating, thanks for uh, making it fun. Paul Soltero, cichlids are rather deep-bodied and have one nostril rather than the usual two on each side of the head. The lateral line is discontinuous and there are three or more spines on the anal fin, I think is what we're talking about. Okay, there's Paul Soltero schooling us on what make a, makes a cichlid a cichlid. Cool. Let's see if anyone else had a, a comment about that. Because I seriously don't know. That'd be neat to learn. Benjamin Peters, I enjoyed your vid today, and I believe that part of the reason your fish like the creek water so much is that there is a little tannin in it. You might be right, Benjamin. Yeah. Whatever the reason, it's gratifying to see that they do like it so much because there's a lot of work and expense getting it to them. So they better like it, darn it. <laughs> But yeah, you might be right, some tannins. All kinds of, it's just natural. Like, it hasn't been, you know, processed and full of, filled with chemicals and all that stuff. So, they seem to really, really dig it. And I dig them digging it. Samuel Joseph Fernald, the Alestropetersius Brichardi, thank you. Alestopetersius. Alestopetersius, that's how I'm saying it. Brichardi. Do you know what color form they are? They're the red. I know they are sometimes sold with color attached to them, sometimes blue, red, orange, cherry, etc. So these were sold to me from a very reliable source. The source is a gentleman who has species of fish named after him. He's like, he knows his stuff uh, really well. He sold them to me as the red. The reason I did not list them as Brichardi Reds on the website is if you order a Brichardi Red, you're going to expect a bright red fish, and they're not that. Now, they'll color in, and I'm sure they'll get a little red color, but 
I didn't want to disappoint people by listing this as the red form, and then they get it and they're like, there's like a tiny bit of red on it maybe, but that's not a red fish. So I'm cautious using those des designations. Now, if they color up here really bright red and I get a picture and say, here's what they look like when they color in, then I would do that. But even searching on the internet, the red form didn't look super red to me. And uh, I, was, I just don't want someone who, who doesn't know the usual terminology of the reds and the blues and all that to buy them and then be like, this is not a red fish. So they're the red form, Samuel. Patricia is out. Well, thanks for being here, Patricia. We appreciate you hanging out and participating with us. Thank you so much. So let's look at some of these Brashardi folks. And kind of see what I'm talking about. Okay. So here we go. Here's the red one. So it's got a little red coloration on it. And this picture is making it look maybe even redder than it really looks, right? So here it is, it's got a little bit of red in the fins. Here's the cherry red. I don't know what species that one is, right? So there's all these different forms of this fish and I didn't want to, you know, I think that they're the red because that's what they were sold to me as, and this is a, a reliable gentleman, but it don't look super red. So, anyway, there's all kinds of Brashardis, as you can see. And, uh, yeah. So if they show up, if they color in and get tons of red, maybe I'll switch it, but I just don't want to mislead folks. Okay, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and shut this down. Thanks for being here, everybody. I want to thank my moderators for doing what they do. Thanks for volunteering your time and making the uh, stream run smoothly. We, we very, very much appreciate you volunteering your time. I want to thank everyone that threw money at us. Super Chats are always appreciated, never required. But we are a scrappy startup, and every little bit helps, especially the startup stage, which is so uh, tenuous. And I'm not saying that because we're like, particularly struggling, just anytime you scale a business, you gotta be careful and every little cushion helps. So thank you for that. Everyone that left a question, left a comment and, and participated and made it lively. Thanks for giving us stuff to talk about. We appreciate that and it would be, <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to be like, I'm just gonna talk for an hour, hour and a half without any prompts, like thanks for the prompts. Everyone that's lurking, hail the Lurker Nation. If you are watching this on the replay, hello from the past. And if you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. And thanks so much to Michael Mellier for making the podcast possible. With that, we're out. I won't be live streaming next week because I'll be in Los Angeles uh, taking care of a new import. A very exciting fish that I'm very excited about. I can't wait to show them to you. But we'll skip next week. So in two weeks, we'll be back. Until then, I hope you have a great one. Bye-bye.